We all need to laugh. We choose truth over facts. And now for a perpetual political protest in progress. Judge my physical, mental, suit, my physical as well as my mental suit, fitness. Coffee time. That's right. It's coffee time again. And uh, how is your mental fitness? Uh, and uh, you know, also, I think we do need to laugh because if we don't laugh, the only alternative really is to cry. And there are some people who find themselves in these ironic positions where they shouldn't have to be worrying about anything because they've done everything right. But then somehow the world gets flipped on its head and the absolute definition of crazy happens and they find themselves darkly chuckling in their closets at home going, Where, how did I arrive here and why is my bank account empty? And uh, so welcome back to the mic. Um, we have guest Marty Anderson here. And uh, uh, Marty, as you may recall, was on the show previously. Um, it was actually, I believe, our first uh, podcast where we looked into this issue of the public trust. And those who we have elected or have been appointed or hired to serve in a role protecting, preserving, upholding the public trust. And, uh, and Marty has uh, been, I guess, misfortunate enough to be, uh, I guess, hits, blindsided by those who should have been looking out for his interest as a law-abiding citizen. And now he's spent an amazing amount of uh, resources and time trying to prove his innocence because... Sounds like a lot of people just assumed his guilt, but they didn't want to go through the hard steps necessary to actually have probable cause to prosecute him at the level to which he's now been prosecuted. So welcome back to the, the Mike Marty. Give us a real quick, just a, just a quick bio on who you are in the community. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate you having me back. Yeah, I've, I've been in the Soldatna, Sterling area for the last 41 years. Moved here in 1981, um, finished my senior year here, and, and graduated from Soldatna High School in, in 1982. Um, I, uh, I have four children, uh, all have been born in this area. I uh, was a welder for many years in the oil field and then started and sold a few businesses. Um, one of those businesses was a training company, so I've trained thousands and thousands of people in the area. I served 15 years on the Kenai Peninsula School Board, and I've been appointed to boards uh, for three different governors, including Governor Palin, Governor Parnell, and currently I serve on the Alaska Oil and Gas Royalty Board for Go Governor Dunleavy. So, so if anybody knows about the public trust, you, you have found yourselves many multiples of times being given that role and responsibility. So, so you, you kind of have a good operating knowledge of the idea of ethical, lawful business activity. and Yep. Had a lot of training uh, on ethics. Uh, the 15 years I was on the school board, I served on the Kenai Peninsula Oilers Board, the KDLL Radio Board, 
Um, I served on other international boards for the American Society of Non-Destructive Testing. Um, so, yeah, it's, I understand what fiduciary duty is and what the importance of um, the trust when some, uh, whether it be the public or an organization, places their trust in you. So, you know, um, you're a businessman, and through your hard work and just uh, your networking and meeting people and getting to know them and them knowing you, you've been given this trust. Uh, people have trusted in you to perform these roles, many roles that most of us, the rest of us out here making coffee, wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity or maybe the, the access to, to perform those duties. And um, so your story is interesting to me, and we're going to get that to that in a minute, but that, you know, you have, you have a tremendous amount of, of world experience, professional experience. Um, you're a man of means, and you have been able to marshal a defense for yourself, and it's still been difficult. So what hope is there for a schmoo like me when the system comes against somebody like me or maybe one of our listeners? So tell us, tell us a little bit about how, how the events we're going to talk about all kind of unfolded, a kind of brief timeline of, of things. Sure. And uh, I don't know if you're a schmoo. Uh, you seem pretty <laughs> sharp to me. But uh, I get your point. And actually, my wife and I have had that same conversation that, if, if this could be perpetuated against me, um, what about the guy who really doesn't have those resources that you just described? And before I, I kind of lay the timeline out, you know, I just, I'll just say that what I found at this point is that once there's incompetence, um, it seems like the system is designed to hide and protect the incompetence. Um, but uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and fulfill your request as far as the timeline. So... Uh, I was working with a company out of Texas. I had sold my business to in March of 2019 and had a three-year contract to stay as the regional manager, um, company out of uh, Texas called Southern Services Incorporated out of Clute, Texas. And uh, two years into that contract, Southern Services decided they were going to sell their business to another corporation out of the state of Maine. And uh, the agreement was that uh, I would stay in that last year that I'd had as a guaranteed contract, that that would be uh, picked up by the new company, um, an annual salary. And then I would stay during the transition. Um, sometime uh, during the negotiations, I'm not sure exactly how or why, they had made a decision that they were not going to retain me. So, uh, but they didn't tell me. They let me continue to work for SSI getting all the contracts and clients turned over. And then once uh, the actual sale took place in March 16th of 2021, um, they let me know that they weren't going to retain me. And I thought, okay, well, you know, that's reneging, but um, I can go with that. And so I went and four days later was working with another company uh, as a director of business development. And then a second company out of uh, New Mexico hired me to be their Alaska regional manager uh, and I, the former company was now a competitor of mine. And so um, everything seemed well. Um, fast forward from April 1st to the end of May, I'm teaching a class in Southern Illinois when my employee suddenly calls me and says there's four or five Soldatna police officers at our office and they had a search warrant. And so 
this uh, competitive company um, had filed a false complaint uh, stating that I had, I had taken all their proprietary information. Um, now, if the officer would have even just paused for a moment, um, they closed the office just down the street five weeks after I departed because all the work left them. Uh, if they had to pause for a moment and realize that I had been here at that time for 40 years, um, many of my clients were either related to me or had been in my Sunday school class growing up. Um, there was a direct connection to them. So I didn't need to take anybody's information. Um, I'd been their little league coach. I had um, you know, sat with them on various boards. Um, but they, uh, they needed a way to basically recoup their bad decision and lost their investment. But um, with very little due diligence or investigation, uh, the, one of the officers here um, obtained a search warrant. And in the search warrant, we'll talk a little bit more about the details later, but uh, it was riddled with errors, mistakes, impossible facts, things like I traveled four months into the future and did an action. Um, I mean, and, and the judge... The judge signed off on that. The judge did sign this. Okay, yeah, it had, so it, so so it sounds like maybe the judge didn't read it. So I don't well. think the read the the judge read it at all. Okay, and it was Judge Martin Fallon. Mm -hmm. He was just reelected uh, to be a judge for four more years. Um, so in that search warrant, it it had two different serial numbers for the same laptop. It had my house being in two different cities with the same address. Um, and like I said, it, it said that I, I traveled to September 6th of the same year when this was May and uh, dropped my laptop off at a local vendor. So, uh, you know, those were just the ones that I think anyone, even a fifth grader, could have read and said weren't possible. There was a total of 19 errors in the search warrant, which was a page and a half. Uh, for example, it said I was an employee of this competitor when I was never an employee. So at, at the very least, we might be able to determine from the search warrant that was presented by this officer that at the very least he didn't pay very good attention to detail no i mean through the foia we we have all of their internal communications or i wouldn't say all but uh, we can verify that let me let me real quick for our listeners you may have heard this term before foia FOIA means Freedom of Information Act. And so we, we get fast and loose with terms sometimes on the show. But uh, so now you know. If uh, you hear that term FOIA in other broadcasts, other shows, that's just uh, that's your ability as a private citizen to say, look, you work for me, Mr. Bureaucrat. And uh, I have, through the Freedom of Information Act, the ability to access the documents that concern me and uh, things that I'm concerned about. And um, it's a powerful tool. Yeah, and specifically in Alaska, we call it the Alaska Public Records Act, but it is the federal equivalency of the Freedom of Information Act. So it took me, um, it took me four different FOIAs and uh, over six months to get all the information because each time I asked for it, they would hold information back, and I continue to ask for more and more and more. Finally, getting attorneys involved, but. Uh, we know now that in the information, Freedom of Information Act emails, that um, they uh, they admit that they didn't do a good job. They being the Soldatna Police Department? Cor correct. Okay. Yeah. And I can read it verbatim if you choose. Yeah, to go ahead. Go ahead. So um, uh, it'll take me just a second to pull up that email, but uh, 
there, there's so much here. Um, and, and if you could just, uh, for the time being, until you've got some more traction and maybe some uh, more of an outcome from the the courts getting involved, their involvement, if you could just refer to people as officer and supervisor. Okay. That would that would probably be good. Sure. So here the uh, officer is writing a supervisor on January 25th of 2022. And uh, he, and I'll, I'll change the guy's name to officer. Uh, so what happened was in December, just digressing momentarily, I wrote a email to the chief of police at the time. Mm-hmm. And I basically pointed out all the facts and the errors and exculpatory information that should have been included, which would have easily proved my innocence. Exculpatory meaning information that would have exonerated you or shown that you weren't guilty of these allegations. Correct. Okay. So uh, this would have been eight months after the original report was written, and I complained in December. This was written January 25th. It says, after talking to you about the officer's report tonight, I went and read it again eight months later. There is a lot of stuff missing from the general report, which I know occurred because the officer and I talked at length about this case. The conversation I had with the chief, or maybe it had been with you, was simply about the technical aspects and the lack of understanding that. It had nothing to do with the body of the report, which is lacking. In hindsight, I should have never approved the report, and I should have been more critical. I will do a better job in the future when reviewing and asking more of those I supervise. So that report that he's talking about is the report that was used to get the search warrant. Interesting. So, you know, I just I just want to draw some quick correlations to why I believe that this this uh, story is important, because, you know, I mean, of course, it's personally cost you and your family a lot of hundreds of thousands of dollars and sleepless nights and space in your brain you could have put towards other things. But uh, you'll recall that there was uh, some bad police work done on uh, on a federal level when it came to um, the Huper family down in, in Homer. Paul and Marilyn Huper were the recipients of a broken door and confiscated laptops and, and electronics, and all because uh, a warrant was issued by a court, um, now it seems prematurely, based on some very sketchy quote-unquote evidence that uh, was very easily in a matter of uh, a small space of time and we're talking you know minutes or, or hours on maryland's part to unravel but but the the fed sent capitol police and fbi agents all the way to little homer alaska to kick somebody's door in and handcuff people and detain them and not provide the warrant for i think it was three hours um and and this this is a disturbing trend now i'm not a supporter of antifa or black lives matter but in previous uh episodes specifically in our series on the alaska grand jury we've talked about this we've talked about how how there seems to be a rising sentiment that is nonpartisan in nature um where increasingly more and more citizens are having experiences like this with a a government that's not really concerned seems too too concerned about the details or due process yeah and and you say due process in my opinion that's exactly what did not happen here i think when you 
don't exercise checks and balances or checks and balances are not in place. I think in this case, there, as far as the grand jury, there is checks and balances in place. But over the time, uh, it's eroded and those checks and balances have gone away. Once that starts happening and you're moving closer and closer to a police state um, where the, the enforcement now is the judge, jury and, and con, you know, conviction. Um, in this case, we have emails here where this officer and the plaintiff are actually discussing my guilt and that um, they don't want the judge to go lenient on me uh, as a first-time offender. Now, I didn't have a criminal record. I still don't because I was never charged. But the guy having the conversation with the officer did have a criminal uh, pass because I looked it up. I mean, how ironic is that? Yeah, sorry about that. We got a blender in the background. We are in the cafe, after all, and uh, business is picking up. So if you hear uh, babies and noises, the baby, I think, is my grandson. And uh, the blender, well, that's operated by my wife. Uh, but anyway, sorry about that. Um, you know, it's, it is, uh, it's concerning, you know, the emails that, and you're going to get more into that, I guess, but uh, we, we had a little bit of time off air to, to kind of prep for the, the uh, interview. And, you know, the emails are pretty damning and paint a picture of not just an incompetent single officer or investigator, but a system of... I guess when you cover up and uh, try to uh, obscure the truth, that you become complicit in the original crime. And, and we're looking at a crime being committed because it's deprived you of your uh, threatened liberty yeah. as well as, as your treasure, your, your, your estate. And, uh, and bureaucrats who get away with this seem to be do, doing so more and more with impunity, without any kind of recourse uh, or, or repercussions for their actions, rather. And um, so media like this is one way that we can start to dial up the pressure on people to do their jobs. They were hired very specifically. They have very clear policy manuals. They took an oath. They took an oath. What is an oath? Is that some relative thing that applies in one case one way and some in another case differently yeah you know I, that's really the question and the challenge that i think our community is facing right now on a, on a variety of levels well it's, it's like I, I told one of my attorneys as we were going through this discovery i said justice is supposed to be blind not incompetent and derelict right right i wonder what that uh everybody's familiar with that statue of lady justice with the uh, blindfold and the scales I wonder what the uh, the other statue would look like, the one that was uh, incompetent and derelict. Right. Maybe Gomer Pyle uh, with a, banana, uh, a, a potato puller or something. Yeah. The, this, this story, my story, well, first of all, there's a lot of people I don't think, and I'm not trying to make myself sound special here, but there's a lot of people I, I think would have just ducked their head and said, you know, it's over. I, I wasn't charged. And so that's justice. But in this particular case, it's like I told uh, one of the supervisors at the police station, I said, a guilty man doesn't do what I'm doing because there's the possibility of discovery that would show his guilt. I said, but an innocent man who's been wronged, they do what I'm doing. And that's why I'm doing it. Right. 
Well, now, a lot of people wouldn't do it because of a fear of retaliation. Now, it's interesting in the timing, uh, for those of you paying attention to recent news, not only has uh, does the Soldatna Police Department have a new uh, chief of police, but this week, Stephanie Queen, the uh, city manager, has announced her resignation, that she will be resigning, and... and um, for those on the outside, it might seem like, okay, well, managers come and go. But the timing on this is interesting. So yeah. what happened in the last two weeks that might have had, speculatively, some, some uh, role in Mrs. Queen making the uh, decision to vacate her post? Well, I, I can't. And this is speculation. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't speculate, <laughs> but what I can do is give you facts. And, right. And, and I, I think I need to give just a brief background before I, I tell you what I, I believe I know is that I met with Miss Queen. I first informed Miss Queen of this incident in December of 2021. Oh, so she was aware. Yes. Okay. Um, she was on the email when I, I uh, emailed the chief, who I met with later, and uh before he left, and he used the same word you did, uh, Jason, which I think I mentioned this last time. He said, I, I hope you don't think I was complicit in this. That was the chief's words as he was parting. Right. But get, getting back to Miss Queen, I, I met with her in person in June, and I printed all these emails out that I got in the FOIA, and I highlighted all the pertinent sections, and I gave them to her. And I spent, I believe, probably a little over an hour within her office um, I think I'd be safe to say it didn't go well um, without getting into too much detail. Um, the next day, I took the same emails and scanned them in and emailed them to her and said, this is the information that I left with you. If you have any questions, please contact me. She has never contacted me. Hmm. Um, but I, I believe she... I'll bet she's talked to a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has, because I have the... Through the FOIA, I have an email where she's talked to a lawyer. Oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, a gentleman by, well, I won't believe that. <laughs> yeah, out. yeah. A gentleman by the name of gentleman. Uh, by, the, by the name of city lawyer. Yeah, yeah there we go. So, so it seems like uh, things are shaking up. Things are moving. Uh, we have a new chief of police. I've met him. Uh, seems like a decent guy. Um, tell us about, uh, ha have you been able to brief him? On, on this case? So my understanding is uh, through a third party who had happened to be in town on some business, um, he is not an agent of mine. He is not under my pay, but he has extensive uh, experience in investigation, and we have worked together in the past. On his own um, accord, he met with the chief and spoke with the chief, and he told me that the chief knew nothing about my case. Hadn't heard anything or read anything about it. How'd you like to be that guy? I would not want to be that guy. It, it's almost like it's almost like uh, you know when you hear about bad stuff going down in the church, and you know pastor gets run out of town, and then the next guy gets to fill the pulpit. That's a mess. It's it's tough, but I think what he also has is an opportunity to take because he has he doesn't have a dog in the fight, right? He he's he hasn't he's he's there no, no contamination on him. Not yet. Not yet, but he. I think he has a chance right now uh, to do the right thing. And if there was not only um, malicious intent by this officer um, or cover up, which I think there's enough information that you could point an arrow in that direction, uh, that he could write that. 
and he could get the faith back in uh, from the public. Well, and he is administrator ultimately with the ability to hire and fire people. That's correct. And do administrative uh, leave and other sanctions yeah. against people. Now, what I do know about the last chief, and I, I knew him for many, many years, him and his wife. In my opinion, I think they're wonderful people. Um, I do know that he had an uphill battle. Um, I know that he, I believe, it terminated at least one officer and possibly two. That's public record. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I know that through the police union, uh, those individual, at least one individual, possibly two, got their jobs back. And uh, I, I think that uh, he was personally uh, had a lawsuit filed against him. Uh, this is all public record. Right. And, uh, so I think he went through a rot, lot trying to do the right thing. And I think he was trying to do the right thing right up until the end because I have an email here through the FOIA that um, he's asking this officer supervisor to investigate. And he specifically says, and do not show him this email. And what happened? Sounds like all of the emails got shown. Um, I, as you know, I, we spoke, I filed a complaint through the Alaska Police Safety Council which at the time I thought was an independent agency that would do investigations. But um, the emails I have between them shows that all, all they did was take all of my evidence and send it to the Soldatna Police Department, which was given to um, a supervisor. And that supervisor assigned a, another supervisor below him in rank. And I'll just read you the email here. It's got all the attached documents that I sent to the APSC. And it was... Uh, it was sent to this uh, supervisor who sent it to an officer and not only the officer, but to the officer's wife's private email. Ah, okay. Which I thought was very strange, having worked many years in government and high profile. Uh, well, and if, if that wife's not directly in the chain of command dealing with that case, then that would seem improper to me. And unless the city has started using Gmail accounts... Oh, okay. So I would, I would say that that's her private email. And then he says here, I'll just use officer. I have attached a memorandum which covers in greater detail that we discussed in person on January 21st, 2022. I've also attached a notification of the investigation form. I've included the complaint and supporting documents from Mr. Anderson provided to the Alaska Police Standards Council. If you have any questions, please let me know. I'll be in touch with you in the coming days as the vest investigation proceeds. Okay, so he, he says there's an investigation. Right. but It's proceeding, but then it's given to the person being investigated. Before the investigation starts, and his wife through her private email. Well, that's awful considerate. It is very considerate. I wish I was, had been given the same consideration. Yeah. You know, I used to be an investigator in, in child protection you know, uh, issues, and... That was never a practice of ours. We would never call the, the accused you know, sex offender and say, hey, by the way, uh, somebody has accused you of sex offense, and there may be some evidence of that uh, in regards to X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. We'll see you on Monday. Yeah, and here's all the supporting documents right, of right. the evidence against you. Right, right. No, we never did that. Yeah. So it would be fair to say, I would say, in my own experience as an investigator, that that falls way out of, outside the scope of... Uh, standard recognized policy and procedure for conducting an investigation well i've done a lot of investigations as well fatality investigations environmental investigations uh in my past uh working both on military projects petrochemical process uh, projects and one of the things you do is you first uh you validate the integrity and the 
character of the individual. Uh, by giving them all the evidence right up front, how do you know if he's going to deny or she's going to deny evidence that you already have? You know, factual evidence that's not disputed. Right. Now, this individual has everything they need to have in order to prepare for any type of defense. Yeah, it's, uh, if, like I said, if I would have been given that same consideration, we wouldn't be sitting here talking today. So, so what are the... Uh what are the vehicles available to you to seek redress of your grievance and to be made whole in this, in this uh, matter? So uh, I did speak to my attorney, um, which I would like to leave the names of my attorneys out right at this moment. Right. I actually, I have two attorneys working on this. But um, I spoke to my attorney, and they actually got me an interview with the FBI in Anchorage. And so I didn't have a lot of this information at the time. And, but what they told me was, unless I could prove uh, that there was an actual crime committed here, um, that I had to do what was called a 1983 case, which was meant that I had to uh, file a civil suit. So even though I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, by the way, the person that filed the false complaints and the malicious intent paid nothing. Right. Um, right. And, but I would have to now spend a lot more money to bring the perpetrators to justice. Well, we have talked about this also in previous episodes about this this uh, this issue concerning false complaints. Mm-hmm. There is state law. There is that says it's against the law to file a false complaint. But to my knowledge, I've never met anyone who has seen, heard of, or uh, has personal experience with a false um, uh, complaint. And, and the person filing that being charged with a crime. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, one of the former supervisors over at the Soldatna Police Department told um, my associate the same thing. He said, uh, I think the evidence here is overwhelming. This was not only a false complaint, but there's also a law that says that you cannot get a search warrant issued under malicious um, uh, procedures. Right. It's called malicious causation of a search warrant. Um, and so the officer told him the chances of you getting anyone to file a complaint and a charge for false complaint is slim to none. I've been doing this for 30 years and I've never seen it happen. Right. Right. So which, which actually means is that anyone could say anything about you and try to wreck your, uh, your career, your reputation and bleed you financially as a, as, as revenge. And that's exactly what happened in this particular case. Um, without going into too much detail, I had already filed a federal complaint against this organization for illegal access to my computers, and I'd also filed a complaint, uh, some serious safety uh, concerns through the federal OSHA. So those had happened weeks before this search warrant was ever issued. So, you oh, know, let me just say one more thing, Jason. Yeah. And by the way, on May 26, the day after they tried to serve this search warrant, I called the officer multiple times, and when he didn't answer, I left that information about the federal complaints on his cell phone voicemail, which he does not mention in the report. So um, you had mentioned something about a number of officers being at your place of business and then some conflicting information about that. Yeah, so uh, through these uh, emails, through the Alaska Public Records Act, 
Um, they don't seem to come to an agreement between the officer and several supervisors whether they did or did not do a search of my workplace. So uh, one supervisor says that we did not do a search of the premises. Um, but so then your colleague was probably just uh, imagining all of the uniforms. Yeah, I guess they were um, maybe <laughs> on drugs. I don't know. But she has a sworn affidavit here. Um, uh, it's been notarized and signed under penalty of perjury because she is now in the state of California, or I'm sorry, state of Colorado. But she says um, in her sworn signed affidavit, uh, I'll be brief here, I won't read the thing, but just the excerpt to answer your question. She says, um, the police cars pulled in front of the office at an estimated three to four officers exited their vehicles and made their way to the threshold of the office. I asked how I could help them, and the officer who later identified himself as Acme, Mr. Acme, asked if Mr. Anderson was present. I informed the officer that Mr. Anderson was currently out of state on business, uh, and I inquired, did this have anything to do with the XYZ company, my competitor? The officer confirmed it did, uh, and he showed me a search warrant that had the address of our office as well as Mr. Anderson's home. It says, as the officer and I entered the office, a few officers walked around the open bay of the hangar. We were at the Soldatna Airport at the time using a hangar as an office. I attempted to call Mr. Anderson, uh, but he was unavailable. I continued to reach out to various individuals, including my, my supervisor's supervisor, Martin, and his wife. During my calls, another officer entered and began to look around the office. He walked over to Martin Anderson's desk and began searching through it. The officer did not identify himself, and I did not ask his name. Said officer opened one of the drawers in Martin's desk, and then the lower cabinet. He pulled out a black laptop from the cabinet, inquired if this could be the laptop in question. I informed them that I knew it was not the laptop in question because it had just been issued to Mr. Anderson through Precision NDT. Basically, I hadn't used it yet. So, I don't know, I'm not an attorney, but if you show a search warrant and you enter the building, and you search my desk and my cabinets and pull out a laptop that's not the laptop of subject, to me, that would constitute a search. Right. But yet, they deny that, that they search the office. And there's a couple of reasons why that's important. First of all, uh, the officer never mentions it in his report. Second of all, I got their standard operating procedures, which took me about six months to get them. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Those should be public. They should be on a website that someone can look. But in their SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures, it clearly states that if you're going to constitute a search warrant, you have to take a photograph of the building before it starts, photograph after it starts, and then the entire process has to be documented, which none of that exists because they already said in here there's no digital evidence, photographic evidence, video, recordings. None of that exists. So they violated their own SOPs, not just that time, but I could go on about multiple other places that they violated their own procedures. They're not just uh, suggested? No, it says shall. <laughs> when you read the word, it actually says the word shall. You shall. I'm being a little facetious. I know you are. <laughs> I was picking up on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I strongly recommend. Yeah. Uh, maybe you should do this. Just, you know, between you and me. 
Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's 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 uh, it's you should do this thing. And and you know, um, I've worked for the government, and they have uh, periodic evaluations that are required when you're serving in a professional position, and that's what they evaluate you on. Uh huh. Is those standard operating procedures? How closely do you follow the rules yeah. of your job, the the description of your job? How closely are you uh, uh, performing the duties to which you've been hired, and are you practicing inside the scope of of direction or outside of the scope of direction? Because outside of the scope of direction, there's no protection for you. That's exactly right. That's what this is about is assuring that procedures are followed to protect your rights. And they, the Sadatna Police Department is very proud of the fact that they're only one of two or three police forces, including Juno, I think, that are accredited by the uh, a police organization out of Oregon, right, which I have spoke with. Well, their accreditation depends upon the fact that they have these procedures established and that they actually follow them. Right. So, so know, their re- their accreditation in this case could be removed. Removed. That's correct. And I haven't cu- fi- I've spoke with the folks down there in Oregon, but I have not filed a Boy, complaint. Boy, if you were like the city manager or the chief of police, and all of a sudden the accreditation was removed from your agency on your watch, that would look really bad for your resume, wouldn't it? I can't imagine that it would be advantageous. Right. How do you explain something like that away to your next employer? It would be very difficult, I imagine. Um, the, the section I referenced under their SOPs, Standard Operating Procedures 7.107, uh, subcategory 1 under section B, uh, and it talks specifically about... Go the, ahead and pull the mic over to... Yeah. It talks specifically about the steps, about what will happen prior to entry, during entry, but under uh, subsection seven, or sorry, eight, it says the supervisory officer shall ensure that the search process is recorded and documented from the beginning until the search team leaves the premises. Subsection A, under eight, photograph the premises before and after the search. And then it goes on, and uh, I mean, these are very well-written procedures, and being in the field of quality assurance and a certified quality auditor under the American Society of Quality, I deal with procedures every day. These are very well-written procedures, but what this would be, in my opinion, evidence of is that these officers are not properly trained in what their procedures are, and their supervisors are not assuring that they follow them. And that's why this was left out of the officer's report. So um, I know the FOIA brought all kinds of things to light. Um, you know, we have been covering, and I, I was just bringing you up to speed a little bit uh, when we, when we uh, first got together today about the work we've been doing to highlight the role of the Alaska Grand Jury. And uh, something that is a tool, and this is a prime example of what do you do when you have been harmed by the government unjustly and um and they have taken your freedom your your estate uh your reputation and trashed it because those are all damages now in in tort law uh in civil law when you're suing somebody um there is this this idea this uh i believe it's it's actually uh it's codified in law that 
that if you go after somebody with a frivolous lawsuit and you lose that lawsuit, mm. you're responsible for not only your expenses, but the expenses of the defendant. And I think there's actually a multiplier in that. Yeah. And so, so in civil procedure, if you and I get in a row and I decide to sue you or you decide to sue me, let's not do that, please, by right. the way. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'd rather spend my energy doing something else. Believe me, I just <laughs> went through a, a state civil suit and a federal civil suit, and yeah, they're not uh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> no fun involving all this. Yeah, so no, I, 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 exactly. I was in I was involved in a in a in a private matter where we were injured in a car accident. And that was enough to make it. It tested all of our uh, will, you know, right. and it wasn't a quick matter. Um, but but the you know the law exists there to compel us to be neighborly and to not resort to use of the legal system to kind of duke it out if there's not an actual if there's not an actual injury that has occurred between us and but on the on the bureaucratic side that doesn't exist outside of the grand jury now i've heard people say you know oh well you can call the ombudsman all the ombudsman does is review the facts and make a recommendation but they have no authority to implement it there's no tie to the criminal courts there's no tie to restitution uh getting paid back for the expense of of what's occurred transpired against you and so in this case you know if everything that you have represented and i have any reason to believe it's not the case <laughs> you have a, a copious amount of information here but if it's all true then you have been injured mm -hmm. absolutely and by my the system has. and your family has and and um and that should not be taken lightly no you know uh officers of the law have what's called qualified immunity and which means that the onus is upon you to prove they committed a crime uh, or injustice. Uh, you can't just sue them in a civil suit, um, which makes them immediately um, much better than all of us, right? Um, in, in the eyes of the law, so it's not blind. And then when you go to judges and district attorneys, they have impunity. So unless you can, you can commit them in the act of a felon or have overwhelming evidence of a felony, um, no matter how bad they are or how incompetent or derelict or reckless they become, there's, there's, there's no, uh, no penance. There's no accountability. You know, it, I, I, I read this report from the officer, and I think if I did this in my job uh, about an inspection at a nuclear power plant or a, a pipeline, um, I would be sued, and possibly I could have a criminal complaint against me by the Department of Transportation or the DOD because this is false information. And he falsified evidence. To me, that is a crime because it's a sworn affidavit, right? In my opinion, that's perjury. Well, uh, you would be held to that standard. I would be. Especially if you were talking to the FBI. Yes. You're not allowed to lie to the FBI. No. That's a crime. Right. So uh, the Fourth Amendment. The Constitution, we're talking the U.S. Constitution here, through the Fourth Amendment protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures by the government. The Fourth Amendment 
However, it's not a guarantee against all searches and seizures, but only those that are deemed unreasonable under law. So, in order to determine whether something is unreasonable or not, you would have to pay attention to details. That's right. And at the very onset of this case, that is the one blaring fact that that uh, seems like the, the Achilles heel to the whole thing. That it wasn't just the officer that was not paying attention to details when he wrote the request for the warrant. It was his supervisor who didn't review that. As he owned, as he said in your in the email that you received through the FOIA, and required for him to do by their standard operating procedures, right? And and uh, which their whole certification. I mean, it's not just a oops, I'll do better next time. It's look, we're going to lose our certification, Mm -hmm. you know, if we don't do these things. It's not a oh my bad, I'll do better next time. Poor Mister Anderson, he'll he'll just suck it up, you know, and. And to close the complaint I filed through the Alaska Safety Police Council, uh, the supervisor writes a one-letter email or one-liner email to the APSC and says the officer did nothing that would cause him to fall below the standards to be an officer in Alaska. (laughs) Okay. I mean, so our standards are pretty low. They must be pretty low. Pretty low. And uh, yeah, so. Um, it's, it's almost mind boggling. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a certified trained investigator, uh, in the law, but where I do investigations in my field of inspection, um, you know, you, if you're going to make an allegation against someone or an accusation is that you don't just take one person's word, right? That's one person against another person, especially if that person that's making the allegation has got criminal and maybe has done this type of thing before. Right. Um, but you corroborate that information. So let's, p- let's pick out that point. It does beg the question, doesn't it? It does beg the question. So if they're willing to do this to Martin Anderson, and the system has fallen down from the bottom to the top, because first you had the officer not record the details correctly, then you had the supervisor not perform their duty correctly. That supervisor had an administrator who said, I hope you don't think I'm complicit, and then retired. Mm-hmm. Then you have a DA who reviews this. And sat on it for five months. Sat on it for five months because, hey, Martin's got nothing but time. That's right. Right? I'm yeah. not suffering at that time. Right, right. Uh, so, so for five months, you have... You don't have a, an honest review. Ultimately, what did the DA do with this case? They, uh, according to the FOIAs, uh, basically they said that uh, because they knew there was a federal suit and a state suit, civil suit, uh, that they were going to see how that turned out. And then once uh, there was a resolution, uh, they said that they were not going to pursue it. Okay, so so they haven't said they're not going to pursue it. They're just waiting to see. Right. Okay. They, so They're waiting to see what the, the civil and federal resolution was going to be. Oh, okay. So they're still sitting on it. No, no. It's been closed. Oh, it's closed, closed. It closed in uh, November of 2022, and December is when I started fighting back. Okay. So did they offer you any uh, cash to, no. to cover your expenses? Nothing. Nothing. 
Now, see, when we talked earlier, I talked about you know how you you are a man of means and and connections, and you have a lot of uh, operating knowledge of the courts and the systems just because of your profession, and um, where you're a little bit different than the average Joe on the street. Well, you know, the average Joe might be the average mom, like my mom. Right. My mom found herself crossways with uh, police uh, who were doing. Uh, uh, they were training a new officer, and the officer was zealous to make his first arrest, and she was his first arrest. And uh, they claimed that uh, they they pursued her as a driving under the influence case. Um, ultimately, the DA dropped the case because the evidence that was provided was overwhelmingly in support of her. And and also identified that uh, there was probably a chain of custody issue with the evidence that they collected. Mm-hmm. And not her evidence, but somebody else's evidence registered as hers. Because she, like yourself, when you were wrongly accused, you immediately did everything you could to prove yeah. your innocence. I took my laptop and immediately as soon as I returned from Illinois, I took it in the next morning to the officer. I had nothing to hide. Well, as soon as as soon as my mother uh, realized that the police thought she had done something wrong, she immediately submitted to every every request they made, and she even included uh, uh, some some above and beyond uh, access to to uh, evidence that should have exonerated her. Mm-hmm. But that evidence didn't line up with fact. Uh, when they went ahead to, and decided to prosecute her through the DA's office. And so my parents had to get a, uh, a lawyer. At great cost. At great cost. Four to $600 an hour. And defend themselves. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it was nothing to see here. Sorry, you know, not even a sorry for your inconvenience, but just uh, we're going to drop the case. And so, so to what... I mean, we could talk about the broader economic impact of what the court is doing and these bureaucrats are doing. We talk about the, the, the overinflated cost of government. Mm-hmm. Why is it that, that um, conservatives push back against large government? Well, large, if, if government screws up generally, then big government screws up bigly. Right. To use a Trump term. Yeah, you know, bigly, yeah. And, and and if we're going to have, you know, if if we want to have uh, good, safe communities, if we want to have people who trust in their police, their law enforcement, trust in the system, um, have faith that justice will be meted out, um, then we can't afford to have bigly mistakes like this. And it's, and it's ultimately going to cost the city of Soldatna a lot of money. I I I. Uh, I prognosticate yeah. that uh, there there's probably going to be some kind of fiduciary uh, cost to the citizens of this fair city because it's not Stephanie Queen that's going to pay it mm-hmm. necessarily. It's not necessarily that officer or any other chain of command that's going to pay it. It's going to be the taxpayers of this city that pay for the ineptitude yeah. of an administration that when it saw and realized that there was a problem, rather than just cowboy up and say, hey, we're sorry, how can we make you whole? They decided, all right, 
Circle of wagons. Yep. Circle of wagons. We're going to beat them into submission just with our weight. Yep. That's exactly right. I mean, and, and what happens and what I've found, you know, and, and just let me just back up a moment. You know, there, there was a time before this that I held the blue line. I mean, if I saw an officer in need, I'd, I'd have gone and taken a bullet to, to save that officer. That feeling is gone. My trust in law enforcement and the legal system as a whole is completely shattered. Um, if I was called to serve on a jury, I'd have to say, due to my experience, I won't believe anything the investigating officer said. That's, that's a shame, but that's exactly where I'm at. Um, you know, this, this officer had a responsibility to do, as you said, due diligence and corroborate the information. And his only corroboration was to talk to the computer store, uh, which after the, the owner of the computer store read it, he, he said that basically everything that, off, that the officer said in the search warrant was false. He said, I didn't say any of this. And if you would allow me, I'll just read verbatim. Yeah, go ahead. I'll just skip to the middle of it. He says, uh, the owner of the store says, just to be concise on which sections of the affidavit were incorrect related to computer renaissance, I have itemized them below. One, we did not transfer the contents of the Dell Latitude 547 to an external hard drive. These are the things that were said in the sworn affidavit. We moved the internal hard drive from the Latitude to an external USB drive enclosure. The enclosure uh, in the drive of the laptop stayed in our possession until 325.21. We reinstalled the hard drive into the computer. So basically what they did was while the motherboard was being replaced, they took the hard drive out of the laptop and put it in an empty plastic box. Now, and that's all the data. That's all the data. That's all the, the data. data. Motherboard is just the processing, right. you know. Once they repaired it, they took that hard drive with the data on my computer and put it back into my computer. They didn't copy anything to any external hard drive. But yet this officer swears in a sworn affidavit to the judge that that took place. Now, you showed me an interesting document when we were talking about um, the allegations that the company made against you. Mm -hmm. And one of the documents they provided as their quote-unquote evidence that um, uh, proprietary things were missing mm -hmm. um, but in their own piece of evidence, what, to explain that document a little bit to me. Right. So in the email communications gained through the FOIA, the competitor is communicating with the officer, the investigating officer, and he's asking, you know, do you have any uh, evidence of the value of the missing and stolen information? So they produced this document on May 6th, and it, it's titled Intellectual Property Valuation, Martin Anderson Computer and External Hard Drive. And they... they basically fabricate these these costs of this stuff that's supposed to be missing but if you look at the f column to the far right it literally says location on their computer for example main folder ssi alaska region active admin ssi so all you have to do is look at the last column and it basically it's they're saying they still have it because that's where they found it in order to evaluate it so in the officer's sworn affidavit, he says the information is lost and missing. How can it be lost if they still have it? Now, just to go one step further, the two individuals who were responsible for maintaining computers and storage both wrote letters stating that weeks after I'd left, they saw an external hard drive with all of this information on it, which is the one they reported that I stole. They saw that in... 
in one of the uh, people who filed this grievance against me. So they had what they're saying that I stole it. And I said, how did you know that? And they said it said in a white sticker with black letters, SSI external backup for server. And they had the server. Uh, the officer actually states in the affidavit that part of the purchase was the server. So if they had the server and they had the backup, how could they be missing anything? So just, just to clarify, the, the accusation against you is that as you exited employment at this company, you... Well, I was never employed there. They, okay. They bought uh, it. Right, right. So, but as you exited, uh, that you took certain uh, software or hardware with you that did not belong to you. Client information. Right, right. Uh, they did not purchase your brain or your reputation, did or they? Or my cell phone. Right. <laughs> And so, as you had stated, you, you had a deep Rolodex of folks for 40 years that you developed community relationships with. This is a Johnny-come-lately company out of the East Coast that comes in, and they just expected you to go away, and that in your new employee, all these clients wouldn't still value you. Yeah, I'm supposed to forget I ever knew them. Right. And, and sometimes, that's, sometimes that's negotiated in contracts. Yeah, it's that, called a non-disclosure. A non-disclosure, non-disclosure oh, non-compete sorry, a non-compete clause. Non-compete, yeah. Right. Now, did you ever sign a non-disclosure, non-complete clause? I, I did not. Com- so, okay. So, that's bad Bad business practices on their part if they were thinking that that might hurt their investment. Right. And just to be clear is I had sold my company in March of 2019 to a company out of Texas. Right. I didn't sell this company that made the false complaint anything. And I never went to work for them. The agreement was I would go to work for them after the transfer was made. You were like a managing consultant or something. Yeah, I, I was there as an as the employee for SSI. Okay. I'd been there as a regional manager for since 2017. And the agreement was, and actually, once I got a, a copy of the sales agreement, it actually says in the agreement that you will offer Mr. Anderson a job, uh, an employment offer uh, as part of this contract mm-hmm. but what they they did was they just gave me a, an employment offer and then the next day retracted it and said they weren't going to hire me okay so i guess they filled the the intent fulfilled of the, the contract. intent okay fulfilled the letter of the contract but not, but the, not intent. the intent yeah yeah so so this is interesting um now you you showed me a cd tell me about the tell me about the cd so uh, this gentleman I mentioned that did his own FOIA and received many documents, he was asking if there was any de- digital evidence. And uh, he was told by uh, one of the administrative individuals, and I'll read it verbatim on January 27, 2022. The person says, hello again. I'm talking to supervisor a moment ago, and he told me that there was no disk, only paper documents. In that case, I don't see a reason to mail it to you. I am forwarding the information to you here. If you have questions or concerns, please email or contact officer or supervisor. But as you can see, I hold in my hand a disk of digital information. And this this is written on by the Soldatna Police Department that says forensic report. Uh, digital analysis of my computer uh, when they had a third search warrant. But that was in June of 2021. But in January of 2022, they're saying this doesn't exist. Hmm. 
but I have it now through FOIA. So it definitely, uh, Marty, uh, begs a lot of extra questions. And we are sitting right at the 59 minute. This is the uh, conservative hour of power and enlightenment salon brought to you by Ammo Can Coffee Social Club here in the heart of Soldatna. And it's Soldatna we're talking about. We're talking about hometown. You know, sometimes we talk about the state. Sometimes we talk about the feds. We're talking about hometown right now. We're bringing it home. So oftentimes we look out at the state and the national scene and we feel powerless. We feel like, uh, or maybe we feel insulated, like, hey, this is a great place to live and this could never happen here. But uh, that's not the case. And um, it can happen anywhere as long as people remain apathetic and asleep. We have to wake up, we have to mobilize, we have to educate ourselves, and we have to advocate for those who are victims, whether that be a victim of some criminal thing element in our community, uh, or whether that's uh, from the, the community organization and government itself, um, that uh, we should serve our neighbors regardless of who the abuser is. And in this case, it seems like the city of Soldatna owes Mr. Anderson, at least an apology. I know you're hoping for more. Um, but um, any any closing comments as we wrap up? I'll just say something that I, I posted on social media recently that was that if we don't hold our public servants accountable, they will become our public masters. That's right. That's right. So um, we encourage you... If you're listening to this podcast and you have a story, we know there are lots of stories out there and a lot of people feel as though there's nothing they can do, that the monster is just too big and that it's better just to hide, run away, uh, or submit. I submit you should do none of those things. Bring your story to us. We'll get it on the air. And we will mobilize as a community to maximize pressure on those who should be doing their job according to the policies and procedures that guide them. With that, I've got nothing left to say. I I wish I could drop a mic, but they're too darn expensive. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody.